everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're the Goose, the Witch, and the Existential Itch. This week's recording might sound a little bit different. Our intro is being recorded on a different day than our episode was. And that might happen sometimes as these topics tend to come up naturally in our conversation. And sometimes we just want to get out the mics and start recording whatever is on our mind. This week, you might hear a few different interruptions. It's raining today. We were babysitting a dog during our episode when we were recording that one. So you might hear some tippy-tappies and a little bark now and then. but Or car passing or goose honking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> life in the woods. But um, thanks for tuning in this week. We talk about existential therapy, which led into mental health and the different laws associated with such. It's topics that Stuart and I are both very passionate about and we really think need to be talked about more. So this week is just something really close to our hearts and we want to thank you guys for listening. And if you have any comments or questions follow us over on instagram at the existential itch and as well if you don't have instagram you can always email us at the existential not the the existential itch not the (laughs) it's just existential itch pod at gmail.com yes You'll hear us mess that one up throughout the episode, too. I'm pretty sure around the end a couple times. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. The theme of our whole podcast is focused around existentialism, And with that comes a lot of existential dread and anxiety. And I was researching recently that there's actually a a psychological therapy. Well, it's existential therapy. And the whole point of it is to find philosophical meaning by choosing to think and act responsibly to the world around us the physical world our relationship Mm. with others because essentially that is what helps build our sense of self a lot of the central problems that we face with existential dread is anxiety over loneliness isolation despair death and shame for something anything that's really a negative drawing emotion exactly which you and i like to research buddhism a little bit and i think for anybody who has ever looked into buddhism the first thing they think about is the enlightened one Mm -hmm. and he kind of determined four noble truths which tie back into existential therapy a little bit Mm -hmm. so the four noble truths are the truth of suffering everybody's going to suffer in in the universe it's It's going to happen at some point mm -hmm, it's an inherent part of life Mm -hmm. then the truth of the origin of suffering the cause of suffering is desire Mm -hmm. and craving for sensual possessions which doesn't always mean what everyone thinks sensual means it just means anything that gives you 
positive emotion. Mm-hmm. Positive, it's like short short term gratification. Affection. It could be. It could be affection. It could be attachment to worldly possessions, power, yeah. anything like that. So it's like a lot of the, for examples, it's like drinking or mm-hmm. smoking, gambling, those kind of things. And existential therapy actually is used mainly for addicts for any sort of yeah. substance abuse. Yeah. Uh, the third noble truth is the truth of ending of suf- of suffering, mm-hmm. which it can be ended by detaching oneself, mm-hmm. which I think is a lot of the reason substance abuse is very prominent. Yeah, because somebody doesn't know how to properly address what's going on, and then they, they go into substance abuse because that's their way of handling whatever is wrong by just kind of putting it yeah, Buddha had- in the backlog. The, the Buddha taught us that the ending of suffering meant detaching from the things that we desire, the things around us. So it's like teaching you... yourself that you don't need these things. Mm-hmm. And the fourth is the truth of the path to the ending of suffering. The Eightfold Path mm-hmm. is the means to eliminate desire mm-hmm. and overcome the ego. So the Eightfold Path is basically... Right action, right intention, right livelihood, right effort, right concentration, right speech, right understanding, and right mindfulness. Mm. And Buddha believed that that was the way to enlightenment. There's a lot of things that I agree with him on here. Mm. Um, I do think suffering is an inherent part of life. Mm-hmm. And... Well, my 30 years, I haven't met somebody who hasn't suffered somehow. Exactly. And the cause of suffering is desire. I don't know. How do you feel about that one? But that suffering comes from desire. I I, I mean, I agree with that because desire is just basically anything, right? And suffering comes from that because to desire something, you have to suffer not having it, whatever it is, whether Mm -hmm. it's searching for, say, as an example, it's looking for your soulmate and you can't find them, right? You're suffering because you're going through all these searches, looking for these people. Um, you're looking for something that genu- genuinely makes you happy and you can't do it. You're going to start feeling like you're not worthy or you're, you're looking for a job that you that satisfies you and you can't. You're going to feel burnt out very quickly because you're just in a monotonous lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's driving towards whatever your goal is will bring some sort of suffering but suffering i think the word suffering is what kind of makes people think that that's not correct but suffering is a broad thing right it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it has to be a it doesn't have to be this overly done negative thing but it's just resistance buddha also realized that most suffering comes from sickness old age death Mm -hmm. and our needs not being met Mm -hmm. which if you know anything about maslow's hierarchy of needs like that's the thing you told me about yeah yeah, it's like that triangle and um if those needs are not being met then we're not we're not going to be happy we're not living the best self like Mm -hmm. or we're not living as our best self and that's what opens the door for the suffering part of what buddha speaks of exactly So going back to existential therapy, the central problems result or are caused by anxiety over loneliness, isolation, despair, and death, just like Buddha had talked about. Mm -hmm. But I feel like 
these are anxieties because it makes us realize our human limitations Mm -hmm. and our like we talked about on our first episode the inevitable death as well Mm. so going back to existential therapy because i don't think that i had it all in the right order or in an order that made a lot of sense because we were kind of bouncing back and forth between existential therapy and buddhism Mm -hmm. um i feel like they're related but going back to the therapy and finding uh philosophical meaning um a lot of substance use disorders as we said are derived from or arise from lack of meaning in life fear of death failure Mm -hmm. alienation um and spiritual emptiness they're looking for something to fill that void Mm -hmm. they're trying to to satisfy the anxiety Mm -hmm. but in usually a wrong way everyone looks for meaning in life Mm -hmm. um i feel like that is the goal of life Mm -hmm. to try to find an answer before you lose it yeah because what yeah what are we without giving our life Mm -hmm. some sort of purpose we we need a drive because if we don't have a drive then we don't have meaning and if we Mm -hmm. don't have a meaning then we that's the spiral exactly yeah that that's what leads to our downfall um in existential therapy there are a few processes that are a few points that existential therapists make and they believe that we all have capability so the first point in most therapy mm-hmm. that or most modern therapy i will say is self act self actualization mm-hmm. and just being aware of who we are and what we put out into the world yeah it's a true understanding of you as a person mm-hmm. not, not what the world is but what you are in it that's where i tend to stray from the same ideas that the enlightened one had mm. because he went on this journey to overcome his ego mm-hmm. he said to find happiness we need to overcome ego mm-hmm. and to do that he attempted to get rid of all desires in his life mm-hmm. he left his wife his family and he traveled to try to find happiness or mm-hmm. true happiness mm-hmm. and he thought in order to do this i need to detach myself because suffering is attachment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I disagree, because he spent so many years trying to isolate himself to not suffer. I think suffering is just a part of of building who we are. Mm -hmm. And to isolate yourself, for me doesn't it doesn't make sense because then you're losing who you are yeah well i don't think 
I don't believe he did it. And in saying that, I don't think he believes that everyone else needs to either. I think that was his way of finding what he found Mm -hmm. to tell everybody, right? So he doesn't want everyone to follow in his footsteps. They just want him to heed what he heard Mm -hmm. or what he had to say. They want that. They he wants them like anybody who tries to follow Buddhism to learn from him, Mm -hmm. right? So if that's what it takes. Go and do it to truly understand what he's saying. But if you're somebody who doesn't believe that that's what's going to do it for you, then don't do it. Right. Like, you you can take from what he says mm-hmm. what you will and then apply that to your life. You don't have to, you don't have to leave your entire life behind mm-hmm. and seclude yourself from society to truly be a Buddhist. That's not really what it takes. It's understanding that everything is material. And everything, including the attachments you have with other people, is just like we've already said, filling that void in you with something. You're you're growing an attachment to whatever it is that you're growing your attachment to. And learning that that's what it is. And being able to tell yourself that even without it, you can still be happy. Like Mm -hmm. That's not your source of happiness. It's you are the source of happiness. And... To be able to exude that positivity and that, I, I don't want to sound like I'm a 50-year-old man when saying it, but like to be able to give that enlightenment out into the world, mm-hmm. that is what it's about. And it took him doing what doing he did, that. but you also got to remember he was a, he was basically a prince mm-hmm. and he had everything served to him on a silver platter. He was royalty in his town and he... He didn't, he understood in his mind that everything that was being done for him wasn't what he wanted. Right. That material possessions didn't make him happy. Mm-hmm. He, he was trying to teach people that it's not about what you get out of life. It's about living. Mm-hmm. It's about just being in the present moment and just accepting that you're actually a part of this. And it's chaotic beauty. The entire concept of what we get to live. I think us as humans, we have a responsibility to bring goodness into the world. And that's just generalized. It doesn't mean you have to like, you don't have to go out of your way per se to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. You just have to be a positive outlooking person because we're all going to get bad, bad things in our life. And I'm not saying terrible things are equal to minuscule bad things i'm not saying that what i'm saying is those bad things are going to come whether they're grand whether they're tiny little just setbacks in your life it's going to happen and being able to prepare yourself for that internally is going to make getting to the next positive moment in your life so much easier yeah the i think Finding meaning in life can be difficult, and I think that, especially for as we're growing up, as our brains are developing and not quite understanding why we're here, Mm -hmm. I mean, your ego is made up of the physical world around you and the relationships that you make along the way. Mm -hmm. So, knowing that you are here for some reason Mm -hmm. and it's not just knowing that you're here and knowing you have a purpose Mm -hmm. but you yourself 
there's no I don't, there's no one purpose in life. Mm-hmm. There's your purpose in life. Well, how many people are on the planet? Because that's how many purposes there are. How, mm-hmm. many, how many animals, how many trees are there? Every single one of them have a purpose, and it's not the same. So I feel like it's our responsibility as self-actualizing humans to take responsibility with the mm-hmm. free will that we were given and make our own purpose. Mm-hmm. I guess that I can tie into what I've been reading lately with Stoicism, because that teaches you that, I I don't really know how to word it properly, but getting over yourself, exactly, is, it's one of the first steps in being able to, to properly live life in a good way, to understand that humans have this inert ability for some reason to think that they are higher up than everything else Mm -hmm. which is in no way the case where if we were the planet would be in a better condition than it is today Mm -hmm. so say that all the time this this god complex that the majority of the planet has not everybody and especially these days i find a lot of people are going back to their roots and grounding themselves to earth which i love but adverse to that there's worse people than there ever has been these days Mm -hmm. and it's that mentality that we're doing things for the better betterment of humanity when really we're destroying the planet that is not you may believe that that is your reason for being here and sure you can think that way but you got to understand it's not you got to think that you're, you're feeding your ego like you were saying do you think that that comes from our a desire of knowledge or out i don't think it's a desire for not like this need for power per se i don't want to say per se again <laughs> this this drive to be like bigger than the heavens that mm-hmm. a lot of humans have i don't think that's a knowledge for power or power i don't think it's a drive to be smarter i think it's a drive to say you're the smartest anyone can be yeah is what it is a different kind of knowledge because my my stand on all this especially with buddhism is to search for true happiness does not end never there's never an end to it you're because if you can find what your answer for true happiness is you're going to wake up tomorrow and realize you're just you're filling the void like we've been saying because you need to con- that's something you need to continue to grow cuz you are continuing to grow every day you're breathing. Mm-hmm. So your happiness is never going to be fulfilled. And searching for it is that's part of the meaning of life. That's actually a part of existential therapy as well. Mm-hmm. Um so the six concepts, the six themes of existential therapy, mm-hmm. first of all is something that we've talked about already. We all have capacity for self-awareness. Every human has the capacity for self-awareness. Yeah, but the the knowledge on how to act on it and acknowledge it is something that a lot of people lack, but that's what the therapy is for, is learning how to do that. Exactly. And, yeah, we can get into specifics that, you know, there are disorders that maybe somebody doesn't have that cognitive ability and... Whatever we talk about, there's always exceptions, but for the most part, we're saying... That that is life. Yeah. Every rule has an exception. There is no absolutes, not to quote Star Wars with it, but... And that's the thing. We're not here to debate specifics like that. No. We're just here to have a conversation about... 
human potential, basically. The, the truth is everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And being able to acknowledge that everybody's life is different is part of what we're speaking on. So we're just giving a broad conversation about mm-hmm. it. Like there is going to be some parts where you might think, um, actually, that's not correct. And right. You, you're right with that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right to think that. But we're just saying generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, second theme of existential therapy is as free beings, we must accept the responsibility that comes with free will. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's just, again, in order to live in a functioning society, we have to maintain or keep some... We have to be aware that we are responsible mm-hmm. for our actions and... I would say how it affects others. I, I would also say to expand on that a little bit, we're, we're responsible for our own actions. And in a lot of cases, we're also responsible for others mm-hmm. because we're a working cog in this entire thing. Well, right? like we said earlier, like our ego is made up of the perception of not only ourselves, but our ego is made up of how others perceive us as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's our responsibility to make sure that we care for those mm-hmm. relationships around us. And vice versa. Because they're right? a part like, of who we are. We're all connected in that sense. So, like, you can't just sit back and if you have these things that you feel like need to change in your world, you need to be able to change it because it's only going to start with you. You mm-hmm. can't just expect it to change. And... That goes from the smallest things in life to the grandest ideas you will ever have is to get the ball moving, you have to move it. The world is not going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. Which leads into each person has a unique identity that is only known through relationships with others, Mm -hmm. which I think we've already um, talked on a little bit. The fourth theme of existential therapy says we must continually recreate self which is what you were mentioning earlier Mm -hmm. meaning of life is never fixed rather it constantly changes every single day because and if you want to look at that it is like a big picture right we can go back to our grandparents age when they were our age Mm -hmm. and you ask them what the meaning of life is given that the world was a completely different place the answer is going to be vastly different than mm-hmm. what it is now the world the, the answers will not be the same for anybody even i know i talked about how i could have an opinion one day and it'd be different the next mm. um it goes for ourselves as individuals as well you could find your meaning in life and that that would be your focus for that period of time yeah and that could be getting you through that moment mm-hmm. but it's okay to grow as you learn more as you gain more knowledge and change that meaning yeah it's got to, you got to keep expanding on it because who you are when you're 10 isn't who you are when you're 20 mm-hmm. isn't who you are when you're 30 so the answer will forever change and as long as you're able to accept that and actually search for what your what your now answer is then you're you're trying and you're mm-hmm. you're practicing life I guess. And I think going into why, or going into the use of existential therapy and substance abuse, it's it's important to find 
that meaning or know that you have meaning in moments like that. No matter what it is, you are here Mm -hmm. and you are serving some sort of purpose in this world, whether you feel it right now or not. Mm. And I think the journey to finding that meaning is something that should be fun. It shouldn't be looked at as this feels like the end of my life because I don't Mm -hmm. know what my meaning is. You will find it. You just got to keep going. And you'll keep finding it is the thing. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to find it and God knows when after that. It could be a week from then. could be 10 minutes from then. You're going to find it that it's it it changed a little. And Mm -hmm. you're going to continue to do that for your entire life. There's actually um there's a book I read a couple of years ago. It's called Be Here Now, and it was written by this man who learned that, especially in the modern era, people have this, this a, uh, it's a thing that a lot of people go through where we're always thinking about every other moment than the one we're living. Mm-hmm. There's always worrying about what's coming next in your life, what happens tomorrow or a week later, and there's growing anxious about things that have happened to you or like your past experiences and always focusing on them rather than living in the moment that you're right now in because now is the only consistency we have right and that goes back to buddha Mm -hmm. like live in the present because that's all we're guaranteed to have but yeah we've already lived the past you're never going to get that back and we're never going to get to the future because it's always getting away from Mm -hmm. us all you have is right now, so you might as well. And it's it sounds weird, but it's something I've done thanks to my sister. Is <laughs> you might as well take your socks off and walk through the grass a little because that's really all we're able to do is just live in the moment, ground yourself, and appreciate that you have breath in your lungs. That's the thing we we all as humans, like we said, have suffered, and no one's suffering is above anybody else's everybody has mm-hmm. their you and know nobody's is less than anybody's either exactly suffering, suffering so when you look back on your childhood on the things that you have gone through the things that you are probably still going through today we have to try as hard as it is in the moment because mm-hmm. i know they're I have my own mental health issues and Mm -hmm. I I know how hard it is in certain moments, but we have to keep remembering that we have to be thankful for what we went through. We have to be grateful that, like you said, that we're still here today Mm -hmm. and take it, learn from it, run with it. Yeah, no, we could do an entire episode just on our childhoods if we wanted to, but like that's, that's a heavy topic, but to generalize it neither of us had an easy upbringing Mm -hmm. but we're both alive and breathing today trying to be functioning humans in this world trying to figure out what it all means as most people are these days and it goes one of two ways it's the only two ways i see rough childhoods especially like rough starts being Mm -hmm. is life is giving you the hardest hand it can right from day one it's Mm -hmm. going to it's going to kick you, it's going to throw you, it's going to make sure that you are you hit the ground crying. And it's either you get up and you do something with the ability to stand back up, or you let it win. Mm-hmm. And that's the only two ways you can go. And I 
I wouldn't change a single thing that happened in my past. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't because it gave me the ability to say I'm here. I'm still standing. I am able to I'm able to be a more positive outcome in people's lives because of the negativity I had to face at right. the first. And I get that not everybody has the self-actualization mm. to do that, but or it's not that everybody doesn't have it. It's they haven't found out how to do that yet but with the things you tell me I am so proud of the person you are today because if somebody else was put into your life and given that exact same situation that you were through the results would probably be different hopefully not so much though we see it sometimes we see Mm -hmm. what that can do to people and It can make people very resentful Mm -hmm. and negative or very guarded. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you went through what you went through and you're here talking about your strength and the positivity that you put out into the universe is Mm -hmm. unreal. I admire that. I think that's one of my favorite things about you. Well, thank you for that. Um... No, I would say, I look back on it now, and I li- like I was saying, I wouldn't wish it. Uh, I wouldn't wish any of that on anybody. Mm-hmm. But the people who at that time were negative sources for me are now some of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Like I think about them, and it's all. It got me to where I am today, mm-hmm. and I had my moment of self hatred, of, of anxiety about like everything that happened. I. I I went through the ringer, right? Mm -hmm. I did my 12 rounds with that. And now I look back on all of it and I'm personally, only for me, thankful that it happened because I won't won't be the negative energy that I had to face. Mm -hmm. I will never be that. That's so powerful. And that's the way I look at it. I look at people who go through things that are even... I, I don't want to it's I don't want to sound like I'm comparing because I'm not but people who are, aren't going through it that exactly but going mm-hmm. through their own hardships and I want to be at least a little bit helpful in that situation mm-hmm. I want to be at least a little supportive to them in any way I can it doesn't matter what they're going through because sometimes all it takes is that one little leg up from somebody to get you through something because it could be the the smallest bad day for somebody and that could be the worst thing for them well that's the thing anxiety is a part of the human condition and it's what you do with that anxiety that Mm -hmm. makes makes a difference and you don't know what somebody's going through every minute of their day you you can't read minds a lot of people think they can (laughs) um you can't you can't truly understand what they're feeling unless you're feeling it for them and you're not going to Mm -hmm. you're only feeling for yourself and to have a generalized opinion on somebody in a moment isn't fair to them no to say that oh like just for an example maybe they're at maybe they're at a grocery store and you see them have just a complete breakdown in an aisle you're thinking the generalized every time i walk into a grocery store it's you in almost every moment of your life (laughs) No, like this person could be screaming, having a fit over just something not being in the store, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not talking about the hashtag Karens of the world. No. 
I'm talking about somebody that is just not having their day. Mm -hmm. You could walk by them and just think that person is, and I'm saying this is the generalized thought, okay, that somebody would walk by and say, that person's crazy or they've got some bad stuff going on in their life, right? You just walk by and don't worry about it. But you don't understand that that person could have had weeks, months, years of hardships going on. And they faced it all bravely. Mm -hmm. Like armor on and everything. And that moment was when it finally hit. It's such a buildup of emotion. Anxiety can be any sort of mental disorder like that can be so overpowering. and, And like it can be triggered by the simplest thing. Like, I had such a buildup of anxiety a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And, like, now it's so funny. And in the moment, it was funny, too. But, like, you, you're you trying to stay strong for everyone around you. You're trying to do better. You're trying to not let your anxiety win. Yeah. And then it's 3 a.m. and you're crying over the fact that you don't have chicken nuggets. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like legitimately waking me up from a great sleep have a breakdown because she can't have chicken nuggets so much so that we woke up the next day and had to rush out the door to get chicken nuggets she gets the chicken nuggets and going back to what we're saying about self-gratification she didn't enjoy them so yeah because they weren't the ones i wanted (laughs) (laughs) i still haven't had newfound comfort chicken nuggets by the way we're not sponsored by newfound comforts but if anybody who works there ends up hearing this podcast, we're open to ideas. <laughs> is all I'm saying. They're matzo burgers, greatest thing ever. Matzo burgers. Isn't oh yeah. Right? Yeah, I Maybe. always get the matzo burger there with the onion rings. Oh yeah, I think it's called something else. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so we're going completely <laughs> off topic here. Sorry, they weren't open when we were in town last, and we were really upset, and we're still kind of sad <laughs> <laughs> <out> about it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, uh, reeling it back in. So this right now is pretty much an example of what we're talking about with, you know, trying to find these things that satisfy your anxieties. Because what was going on for Felicia in that moment was she has a lot of things going on almost every day that attacks her mentally, like in life. A lot of things, a lot of external forces. And she takes it. I'd say better than most people that I've ever met, which I'm always I'm always so proud of to watch. And I think it's commendable. But that night, it was just too much for her. And seeing her have to face it the way she did, I was it was still very great because a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't be able to laugh it off the way she did. But she also understood because I don't think we said it in episode one, but Felicia has a psychology degree, and you'll probably hear that a lot. She hasn't said it, which is a surprise. But she's very good at understanding her own thoughts and being able to get herself through a lot of hard moments, which is, as I've said, very commendable. From there, everybody experiences or deals with their anxiety in different ways. And we're just here to, again, spread positivity and try Mm -hmm. to help alleviate some of that in some way both of us are really passionate about helping others Mm -hmm. and making sure others get through the worst parts of their lives and Mm -hmm. we just want to we want to be here and tell everyone that they're not alone 
and that whatever you're experiencing, I truly hope with all of my heart that you can find it within yourself to create your own meaning and use it to fuel positivity with like out into the world oh yeah for sure I mean, even the smallest things right just mm-hmm. telling somebody to have a good day or smiling by somebody you walk by on the street that can that can do a world of good versus just living in your own world and centering yourself within it which yes is a good thing to put yourself in the center of your world, but to understand that you're not the only one in it mm-hmm. is something a lot of people forget to do. Yeah, we we all have different ways of dealing with it. And the stigma of mental health has been horrendous. And I know that we're working really hard to break that down. Yeah. But it's, it's still not where it needs to be. No. And... Trust me, I know we live in Canada. I know we have free health care. But when I tell you that the mental health industry here needs help mm-hmm. is an understatement. I understand how hard it is to seek help when you need it. And it's just, it makes me so sad because I see what mental illness can do to people like daily and from experience i know that taking that step to get help is hard enough Mm -hmm. but when you have the professionals working against you as well it it breaks you down and i just hope that We can be an outlet for people as well. Like, I know we're here talking about silly, you know, silly little big ideas, but... We're still trying to be a a safe and warm and welcoming place for anybody. Mm -hmm. Any idea, any way of life, any race, creed, religion, this is... We want you to be here. I Exactly. I I just, I want to make people aware that... There is no judgment. We talked about um, substance abuse earlier because that's where existential therapy is used a lot. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Like, that void people want filled. Like, that, you know, that's where their purpose comes from is filling that void and creating meaning. And I understand, but I I truly hope that if that's something that you're suffering with... Mm -hmm. That you can realize that you do have a purpose, you do have a meaning in life, and everybody, it, yeah. you don't you don't need it. That you don't need that just to get through. Yeah. Um, I know it feels that way in the moment, but I think another big thing too is after after I'd say just in this past couple months we're starting to come out of the big C word. Mm-hmm, that you know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like to really speak about which fair 100 percent fair on that one um i don't think anybody was truly prepared for that when we were told by the people we we're supposed to trust that it was going to be about two weeks mm-hmm. and we had to go through three years of it and we're still going through it, and i'd say we're going to go through it for the rest of our lives we're going to yeah. see the the repercussions of 
everything that went on with that. But when you're when you're somebody who finds your happiness externally in like society and you're seeing like you're seeing that you can't see your neighbors anymore. You can't say you're in school and you're you can't mm-hmm. go to school anymore. You have to go on your computer, especially at a young age. Mm-hmm. You your whole world just gets flipped upside down and you're now trapped in your house. And like I know a lot of older people said that's not bad for kids, but that was the worst thing for kids. Mm-hmm. And like even for the older generation, right? Like people who there was people like me, like I experienced it, where having to see the same four walls every day was, it was hell after a week, and that, we went through that for three years. That's the thing, I um, I was fortunate enough to still have a job mm-hmm. well, same, during same. COVID, yeah. but my job went from, like I worked retail by the way before I moved home for various reasons, mm-hmm. Um. But I worked retail, and once the lockdown happened, we went solely online. Mm-hmm. So my day consisted of every everyone in my my um, or all of my employees mm-hmm. were laid off. So it was just me working, mm-hmm. and it was me. Hundreds of online orders. And four blank walls. Like, it was just... I'm not a very social person by mm-hmm. any means. But that gave me more anxiety than I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. It left me with my thoughts. And it was it was so lonely. It was so isolating. And... You know, I, it just had a big effect on everyone. It was, it was mentally scarring for the entire world. Like, everybody had to face it. There wasn't, nobody was exempt from it. Like, Mm -hmm. you weren't, nobody was special for it. And coming out of it now, now that we're just in this, I'd say in the past few months, past six months even, we're just starting to really come around. That, um, I think it's crazy that we're just expected just to, get over it mm-hmm. essentially like we're just expected to just go back into everything there's no real there's no real like conversation being had that everyone can just feel like they can be a part of it right and that's what we are as we've already said or i should say as i've already said too many times um we just want everyone to feel like this is a place that you can have your opinion you can have your moment to breathe and just relax and listen to two people who don't know much about anything talk about everything (laughs) we all have different ways of dealing with our anxieties and some may be a little unhealthier than others Mm -hmm. but i don't want to place judgment on anyone for a certain way that they deal with their mental health and i do want to help people deal with it in more positive ways yeah but I don't think anybody should be ridiculed. No, for sure. So we know that, like, for instance, we talked about substance abuse. We know that substance abuse is actually a mental disorder. Yeah. Not a, like, substance disorder. It's it's not a sign of weakness. Exactly. 
And I really, really think that addicts are given a really hard time. Like, yes, I understand that things done under the influence are can be horrific and that's not okay but i think we need to give addicts some grace and help them overcome that yeah at least give them the uh, the chance to redeem themselves before writing them off and grouping every addict into one box because there's plenty of them that actually want to make a better life for themselves and are just yeah they're just stuck in the the cycle and there isn't a proper there isn't a proper system to helping them i have actually a very big hot take and a lot of the hot take i know a lot of people are going to disagree with me Mm -hmm. but after studying psychology and learning about the effects of substance abuse and why it happens i really don't think that drugs should be criminalized now give me a chance i don't think that addicts Mm -hmm. should be in prison i think they should be in rehabilitation Mm -hmm. i think selling trafficking of drugs Mm -hmm. should be criminal Mm -hmm. but drug use should not be criminalized because those people need rehabilitation not prison because that's Mm -hmm. gonna help no one and, well, I mean, here comes the conspiracy theorist. And, oh, it's not even a conspiracy. This is just the way it is. That rehabilitation, I say in quotation marks, for the system that's in place is taking the addictive substance that this person is stuck on and giving them another one to be stuck on. The only difference is Big Pharma's getting money out of it. Mm-hmm. That is the only difference. And putting them in jail for it, same thing. That's just tax money. Exactly. And the issue with jail is there are just as many drugs in prison as there is on the street. Most of them get made there. So prison is not the answer for drug use. All I'll say is the moment somebody tries to say that legality and morality should be talked about within the same conversation, they're wrong. Because legality is... You don't agree with their opinion. I I don't. I don't agree with their opinion. No, that they're wrong. We don't agree. My opinion is they're wrong. (laughs) But I don't think... I don't think the law should be above human ethics. No, and that's... I, I agree with that as well. Because... There are many laws in many places that are unethical. Mm -hmm. And once law is above all, Mm -hmm. it just... You as... I don't know. The law, especially now, treats every single scenario as it's the same. And that shouldn't be the case for 99.9% of cases for anything i read something that you will actually find super interesting here let me find it one second so as a libra i think you're gonna really like this bro i'm prepared um there is a quote by john rawls Mm -hmm. i think that's how you say it and he says the principles of justice are chosen behind a veil of ignorance so 
his idea is we all want to further our own interest. Mm -hmm. So to do this, we all need to work together. Yeah. In working together, it requires rules. Mm -hmm. And rules that are fair and just must apply equally to all, ignoring social classes. That's very true. So the principles of justice should be chosen behind a veil of ignorance. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at Lady Justice, she's... Holding the scales. She's holding the scales, which Mm -hmm. represent equality. Mm -hmm. She's actually blindfolded. Because justice is supposed to be blind. Because it's supposed to be impartial. Mm -hmm. And that's... That's not the case. No, no, it's everything is what it is. It's black and white, and that's that shouldn't be the case when it comes to law. Now, and I think that is why law mm-hmm. and morality are not the same. No. And if we were to measure everyone on the same scale, mm-hmm. the world would look very different. Yeah. Um we need to take humanics into consideration. Yeah, for sure. We are, like, each case is individual. We are all individual. And whoever says law is above all, just, it's not correct. The only way I could I could word that is I have, a, I have too many opinions on that to really say in this podcast. But no, yeah. Um, sure, some laws could be considered black and white. Mm-hmm. Some. But the vast majority, no. No, they should be taken differently. And a lot of the time, I think the jury system is also flawed. I think a lot of... I think a lot of the law system is now a money-based thing. Mm -hmm. As you were just saying, as... What was the the guy's name that you were just quoting? Don Rawls? Yeah, I I believe what, what he said was that, like, the social standing shouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. Which in a lot of cases it does. Like, we'll get that odd time where we make a spectacle out of somebody famous, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's, let's just, for example, say the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, because that was a big thing last year. And for a bit, we were like, oh, finally, like, people are, like, the famous people are getting held ac- accountable. But that not really. Mm-hmm. Like, for the most part, no. There's still a lot of things that happen. That was just, that was just entertainment, is mm-hmm. really all that was. Um... But then there's there's a plenty of cases, public cases of people who aren't in a place of power. No offense to Johnny Depp, I love Johnny Depp, but there's cases like that that basically just get thrown out the window in the court of law. They don't want to deal with it, or they mm-hmm. just they rinse and repeat it. It's done in two days. Or if it doesn't serve the higher the um, higher powers, <laughs> I guess if it doesn't serve them, mm-hmm. then it's not. It's not important. They don't care. Yeah. And it's it's there's no humanity in that, which is a hundred percent wrong. That uh I mean the big one, which is why Felicia said that she knew I'd like it, is I don't think all murder cases are just cut and dry. As I a feel lot of like times most they're. most people would agree with you on that though. Yeah, except for the ones that work in the legal system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they they would they obviously wouldn't. And I don't think that just because it's murder doesn't mean it's murder Mm -hmm. i think and especially women i think women who are victimized for so long and 
I will get flack for this from somebody. I know I will. But when they are put in the place of a victim, whether it's mental abuse, physical abuse, what have you, if they snap and kill their abuser after years of torment, that is not the same as somebody who just is mentally unwell and murders somebody. Mm -hmm. That is not the same case, in my opinion, okay? I don't think they should be given the same sentencing. I think they should be looked at in a different light. Here's the thing. In most of those cases, Mm -hmm. not all, but in most of those cases, if man or woman in that situation did not defend themselves Mm -hmm. after years of abuse, Mm -hmm. it's either one person or the other surviving that. And I will say right now, for (laughs) just so everyone knows going forward, the sentence, just get out of there. Don't bother saying that. No. Don't don't bother coming at us with that because that is not that's not possible in a lot of those cases. Mm-hmm. That is in no way a conceivable thing for the just, victim to do. And you have to realize just because you're looking at a situation from a very privileged point of view. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you can have that opinion. Yeah. Until you are in their specific mm-hmm. situation you will not know yeah and you can say you can compare yourself to it comparison isn't it no that's the thing you could have something like it and you may have been able to get out of it good for you proud of mm-hmm. you that that's amazing for you just because someone else couldn't doesn't mean your opinion is valid everyone has a different life experience everyone has different levels of knowledge mm-hmm. And the brain, no one brain is the same. We're all wired in different ways. Mm -hmm. And to say, oh, just get out of it. Not, it's, it's not possible for some people, right? Yeah. I don't know. I I think we're, we're walking into a minefield Mm -hmm. for, for conversation, right? That's, that's a dangerous spot to walk into, but I will, I will happily say that I don't think. I don't think the legal system is a system. I think it's a means to an end. And it's just... I I, I could go straight into... like I don't want to say hippie conversation, but I I can go straight into tinfoil hat conversation with this and say most of the legal system is filling the jails to fill the pockets of the people who are putting them in those jails. And the thing is, I... Of course, like, I understand Mm -hmm. that there needs to be laws and rules and authority to have a high functioning society like we have Mm -hmm. but is it corrupt absolutely but no going back to like what we were what what we were originally talking about with like the ethics and existential therapy and everything with this is like a lot of a lot of people who end up in the system or somebody who could benefit from this kind of therapy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're people who lost their way in life. They are people who they've been dealt these hardships, these upbringings, these just rough hands. And I'm not saying all of them don't look for it because a mm-hmm. lot of people do. But most of them, I would say most, they just didn't have the right resources to avoid that kind of a life. Right. They and didn't if, have the resources to to get through their situation exactly and then it just becomes a spiral and i think if they were given the chance 
to just talk to somebody and learn the proper mechanisms to avoid that kind of a life, they would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah, but I think drug use has... I know... I only know this from American stats because I Mm. watch a a lot of... Or I listen to a lot of American... um, Podcasts. Like podcasts about prison systems. Yeah. There's something crazy like a... I could be wrong, Mm. but I think there's like an 83% recidivism rate for drug use. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they're all cured, who's... Who's benefiting? Mm-hmm. Except for, you know, the masses. <laughs> I, I think there should be a better rehabilitation thing. And, I mean, drug abuse also goes back to what we were saying, right? That is the filling the void from your own traumas, your own anxieties, your own depressions. Instead mm-hmm. of facing those demons and being held, being given the, the right tools to cope with whatever is going on in your day-to-day life. You don't get that option. You mm-hmm. you get you get rehabilitation, which I've already said that doesn't it doesn't cure the the problem. It gives you another one that someone else can watch. Well, it depends on the type of rehabilitation. Oh well, yeah, yeah. But I I'm thinking because where I was brought up, there was a massive fentanyl problem, massive mm-hmm. and. The doctors didn't care, per se. I wouldn't really say they, they were caring about it. They were getting these people who were were on XYZ drugs, mm-hmm. right? And they were giving them the fentanyl. They were giving them the... There was another one. I think it starts with an M. I can't think of what the other one was, but it's this other one that they, they put um, drug addicts on. Oh, you're talking about, like... Um... Like methadone. Methadone. I think methadone was actually what I was talking about. Yeah. It's when they're coming off these drugs that the doctors will give them this, right? And they will just get them addicted to that because... Uh, Okay. Me and you disagree here because I think that is a form of um, medicine that some people need. Not, oh, I think they all need, but not, I don't think it's handled the Not all way. addicts can be rehabilitated mm-hmm. by solely emotional therapy, oh, I'm not right? Saying they, I'm not saying they shouldn't be given it. I'm saying they just get addicted to it, and there's no, there's no system of getting them away oh, from it. There's like no... you're saying that... It, yeah, it needs to be combined with a different type of therapy. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I'm not saying don't take it. Okay. I, I'm not saying that, no. I, I think it's a perfect thing to do, but the doctors don't do anything else besides right. prescribe that. Because mental health issues are so overlooked here. And I, I find a lot of doctors are uneducated in, that, in the field of oh, mental yeah. health. Yeah. That... Okay, you're coming to the doctor. Let's give you a pharmaceutical and be on your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You need some sort of emotional, mental therapy to uh, alongside it. Yeah, uh, yeah, with it. Because I think if it's not... an amazing tool to oh, yeah. help. Yeah. But yeah, you do need something it's, it's else. It's not handled properly. Because as we talked about, substance use is is a mental disorder. Yeah. So exactly. you're not. You're not accessing the true issue. Yeah. You're just covering up the the very, underlying problem. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of actually facing your demons, 
They're just putting a different coat of paint on them. And that, again, that's not on the addict. That's on the professional. Yeah, exactly. I'm not blaming the addict at mm-hmm. all. They are seeing somebody who is addicted and being like, okay, well, if you can be addicted to this, we'll give you this because we can watch the doses. Right. We can, we can be the one handing out the drug. But they're not saying, hey, maybe in between prescriptions, come in and talk. Talk mm-hmm. about how life has been since, right? Yeah. That could be the case in some places. I don't know. I just know where I lived. Yeah. It was just, here's the drug. Bye. Go, go live your life. And I saw, I've seen countless people lose their lives over it. Mm-hmm. Because dependency is huge in it. Mm-hmm. And after a while, they can't afford that. Right. Because it's still, that costs a lot of money. And a lot of the people who need it don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. Especially these days, not a lot of people can pay for the proper insurance for that kind of mm-hmm. treatment. And life just gets next to impossible for that. And I think it's crazy that it's there isn't so a proper, sad. there isn't proper help for that. That's the thing. It's like, it's like they're set up to fail. Yeah. It's like, it's there. The door is open, but like the professionals need to do something mm-hmm. to properly help them. Like... I will say, and I've already, I already have that. Not everyone wants the help, right? And that's that's on them. That's mm-hmm. for them. If they don't want it, they don't need it. But there's plenty of people that are are begging. There's people mm-hmm. begging for the help, Literally. and they're ju- they're just they're not given the chance to get it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the saddest thing that I've ever had to witness humanity go through. Here's the like, even like coming, I don't have substance abuse, but I have other mental disorders, and mm-hmm. I have been seeking help actively trying to seek help for i can't do math since 2007 so that would be 15 years and 16 i only found a doctor to help me i want to say in 2015 mm-hmm. and he ended up moving. Mm-hmm. So then I was without medication, without a family doctor, mm-hmm. without any resource to help. Okay. And I am so, or I was so tired of people saying like all the stigmas that come with it, that there's ample amount of resources now that you can go get help and there's no need to do the things people do now because there's help out there. No, there's not. Mm. I have been in the ER begging Mm. for help and being sent home and saying, oh, sometimes I'm tired too by the doctor. Oh, sometimes I get anxious too. Go home and sleep on it. A lot of people don't make it past go home and sleep on it there's another personal opinion i think the moment that sentence comes out of a doctor's mouth they should lose their license it's, it's when has sleep on it helped anybody i don't know life is hard sometimes but we're we're just we're just trying to tell you guys that you're not alone and we're very open and i hope that listening to this resonates with somebody and helps somebody that's all yeah and we will I'll, I'll apologize for the two of us that this is two very deep episodes in a row we will try to come up with a light one at some point soon just to try to you know make it a little 
a little easier to listen to sometimes, especially if it's an hour long and when you hear two people just talk about how messed up the how messed up the system is and the man is evil. It's very hard because you're very passionate about law and I'm very passionate about mental health. So Mm. like this, yeah, we could talk forever. And it's hard being passionate about something that is so twisted and evil Mm -hmm. these days. But like, I think the legal system, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's an amazing weapon against the evil things that can happen in the world. But it in itself has become what it tries to defend us from. Mm-hmm. It, it is just, it's a monster wearing a different mask these yeah. days. And I think it needs to be, it needs to be looked at. It needs to be reviewed. And it, we, we as a society need to start standing up for that. And like mm-hmm. saying things, especially for the legal system and the medical system that like the people that we put in power need to, they need to start actually owning up to their what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. They they need to start acting instead of saying that they're going to make the world a better place. They need to do it. This is the thing. We live in a free country. We live in a very fortunate place. For sure. But we're tired of people covering up issues that still exist. Yeah. And pretending like we are in the greatest country in the world the greatest we're not living in a euphoria that's the thing like i'm very thankful i think the word i meant was utopia (laughs) i don't think euphoria was what i meant there but it still works we're very grateful for where we live and i'm thankful for everything that i've been given oh yeah our lives could be so much worse Mm -hmm. honestly I, i i might have sounded sarcastic in that but i wasn't but I think I think this is where we're going to end because, like you said, we have talked very passionately, very aggressively, aggressively for a while. I just want to put it out there that if you are feeling stuck and alone, I hope that this helps. And when you're feeling that there's no meaning, no life, worth living you have worth you get out there and make your meaning i believe i truly believe that you can and i will say that if you are in newfoundland um doorways Mm -hmm. is a um is a program that really helped me through one of the hardest times of my life and they have workers who workers therapists so or social workers that have that are incredible mm-hmm. they they do have a really great staff and maybe that's something you can avail of because a lot of them are walk-in and you know sometimes we don't have six months to wait for a um and sometimes we don't have six months left to wait on a psychologist sometimes you need it so um just google that resource and i hope that that can help you in the meantime or and also on on top of that um i just want to say before we completely close out here Mm -hmm. sometimes you just need somebody to listen sometimes Mm -hmm. you just you need you just need a friend in the moment and we're not trained professionals or anything but you can always contact either me or felicia she will 
do all of our handles in a minute because I get it wrong every single time. <laughs> but if you're feeling like you just need to talk, we are the most accepting. I, I will give us the, that, that we are very accepting. We are very open to whatever anybody needs to, needs to talk mm -hmm. about. And we will listen and we will try to get you through whatever you're going through as best as we can. And we we will we will even look up other way other systems that mm -hmm. you can go through if you need somebody to listen to you. So yeah, message us over on our Instagram at the Existential Itch, or you can email us at existentialpod at gmail dot com for anything. If you have comments, questions, if you just need a friendly person to get you through a moment. Like Stuart said, we're no professionals, but we'll try our best to be there for you. And I really hope that you guys are okay and having the best day that you can. Know that you can go out and spread positivity no matter who you are. And Whatever you do in life, just always try to think it like this. Whatever you're about to do, would it make Bob Ross happy? <laughs> if the answer is no rethink what you're about to do. Okay, guys, thanks for listening.